0: The Secrets of Star Trek is brought to you by the StarQuest Production Network and is made possible by our many generous patrons. If you'd like to support the podcast, please visit sqpn.com slash give. You're listening to The Secrets of Star Trek, where we discuss the hidden layers and deeper meanings found in all the Star Trek TV series, movies, and more. And today we're discussing the latest episode of Star Trek Prodigy called Let Sleeping Borg Lie. I'm Dom Bettinelli, and joining me today on the panel are Father Corey Stika. Hey, Father Cory. How's it going? And Jimmy Aiken. Hey, Jimmy. Howdy, Dom. Folks, be sure to like The Secrets of Star Trek on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash StarQuestMedia. Retweet us on Twitter, where we're at SQPN. Uh, We're also on Instagram at at StarQuestNetwork, and be sure to leave us comments wherever you find us. We love to hear from you. Another show on the StarQuest Network you are sure to enjoy is The Secrets of Middle Earth. You can find that wherever fine podcasts are found or at sqpn.com slash Middle Earth and i thought you were going to say you can find it in the middle of the earth but, you can find okay. it in well sort of on the edge of the, well never mind you'll you'll know if you actually are a fa- <laughs> if you listen to the podcast and uh, stick around to the end we've got some listener feedback on a recent episode but first uh jimmy can you give us a recap of what happens in this episode
1: Last time, the Diviner's weapon on the Protostar wrecked a communications space station, forcing the kids to flee, and biological Janeway found the Diviner in stasis on the mining colony Tars-Lemora. This time, the kids find the weapon hidden aboard the Protostar, but they can't figure out a way to disarm it. They stumble across a Borg cube, and hearing of the Borg's ability to adapt to weapons and render them harmless, they think maybe the Borg know how to deactivate it. Over a hologram Janeway's objections, they board the Borg cube and go searching for an answer. Zero, who has been a member of a hive mind before, plugs himself into the sleeping Borg Collective, but he's overcome by them and is assimilated. The Borgs start waking up, and the other kids are captured and on the verge of assimilation, but Gwyn appeals to Zero and is able to inspire him with the thought that resistance is not futile. Zero resists, breaks free of the Collective, and puts the Borg temporarily back into their dormant state. However, he learned, or at least believes, that the Borg believe that the weapon on the Protostar cannot be deactivated or removed, so the kids decide they can't go to the Federation until they can do so safely. Meanwhile, Biological Janeway finds the smashed-up comm station and concludes that Chakotay must not be in control of the Protostar. And in our parting shot in Biological Janeway's sickbay, the Diviner suddenly wakes
0: up. The End. Okay, so we have uh all, some interesting aspects and we're bringing in the Borg again from mm-hmm. uh the rest of Star Trek. I mean pretty much TNG yeah, and mm-hmm. and uh in the other uh, other ones. Um we start this well, episode with, J- with Janeway here, you know the Borg can't be far behind. That's right. And exactly. Maybe the Borg Queen even at some point. Um so we start the episode with them watching the Holodeck recording of the Diviner revealing his plans, which as I was watching, I was kind of saying to myself, I kind of wish they'd done this last episode, (laughs) which Mm -hmm. would have helped me remember what was going on in the first half of the season. Uh, But you know, it's, it's nice to have it there anyway, and to kind of have this remembrance. And now everyone is on the same page. The whole crew knows what's going on. They know this, uh, the secret weapon, and we don't have to draw, drag that out. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. So, um, the, Interesting thing is, is the Hollow Jane way. Can't believe she didn't know about the weapon in the computers, which I think was kind of a hard stretch for me because she also didn't know about the Protostar drive.
2: Which they literally pointed out. It's like you didn't know about this either. How how do you expect you didn't know about this other part? Yeah, you know, and it, it's become clear that there's there's elements of the ship that have been deleted from her memory.
0: Yeah. Know yeah and what else doesn't she know you know that's that's a that's a big hanging question and it's kind of interesting because we have this huge mystery that we really haven't i mean we're sort of getting to it which is how did the diviner get a hold of the protostar and where did the crew go and mm-hmm. the kids don't seem to end hollow jane way don't seem to be all that concerned with the, those questions which they're kids so I suppose that wouldn't necessarily be foremost on their minds, but I think it's interesting. Yeah, and even though Hollow Janeway
1: is just an emergency hologram, you would think her programming in the event of her entire original crew being missing would trigger some kind of, (laughs) I need to help my original crew. Sorry, kids.
2: Um, I need to help my original crew now. Right. (laughs) Right, right. Well, and and of course, you know, part of that could be since the kids want to get to the Federation and you know get back to Starfleet, you know, that she that could be part of it too. The the thing is, get this experimental, highly classified ship back to Starfleet, and then they Starfleet can send a crew to find the missing crew.
0: It could be mm-hmm. part of the the emergency holograms programming, yeah, to re- recover, get in touch with Starfleet, or that sort of thing. Yep. So they end up finding the, uh, the it's well, it's it's basically a virus, right? It's a computer virus. Um, yeah, but there's a physicalization to it. Yeah, it's,
1: it's apparently infected their their software, but there's also a a giant dongle there. <laughs> it's, yeah,
0: it's a dongle virus, and yeah, <laughs> uh, and it's it's in this sub deck under the bridge, which again, Hollow Janeway had no knowledge of that this existed um but it could only be opened using a key made from gwyn's interesting device yeah yeah that's an element of this the show that i kind of really like is this this device that she has it's you know technology from her people that it can uh, shape into whatever form she needs in which case it's it's most often a weapon but in this case it becomes a key which is interesting Mm
1: -hmm. It also becomes relevant later in the fight that they have with the Borg. I mean, it doesn't save them all, but, um, but you know, they fire a phaser at, at the Borg and they get in their first shot for free and the Borg falls over into an abyss. Um, but then the Borg immediately adapt to the phasers. And mm-hmm. being kids, they don't know about rotating the frequencies. So their phasers become immediately useless. But Gwyn's artifact is not just one shape. So Mm -hmm. it is
2: going to be harder for them to adapt to.
0: Mm, That's true. Well,
2: and of course, it's also a a physical attack, which the Borg have always been immune or have not been immune to, you know, getting pushed off a a cliff, you know, is going to kill a Borg (laughs) regardless, you know, if they've got their shields up or not.
0: Gravity is always a good weapon against the Borg. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, uh, and speaking of the Borg, that's when they kind of stumble upon this Borg cube that's uh, uh, non-operational for for whatever reason. Yeah, they said a neurolytic pathogen
1: had shut it down. Right. And I was wondering, is this the artifact
2: from uh, the Picard series, 2018 years in the future? So now Memory Alpha, they, they propose that this is actually from future Janeway at Endgame, in the episode Endgame, because she uses a neurolytic pathogen to infect hmm. the poor queen so Voyager can escape and get back to Earth. Maybe that's so, also how we got the artifact.
0: Right, yeah. right. Interesting. Um, huh. Uh, right. It would be interesting if they drew those connections between Prodigy and Picard. That would be an interesting mm-hmm. connection yeah. between uh, kids animated, you know, same thing in kids ver- and. Putting some important element <laughs> to picard in there um so the the kids are but, obviously not scared of it because they don't recognize it yeah i know yeah the Janeway like, is scared uh, yeah yeah
1: kids you're making a big mistake here you should listen to hollow janeway on this <laughs> yeah but they're <laughs> kids they <laughs> and they've never been in, they've never encountered the Borg before they have no
2: idea how dangerous they are i i I love Jacob Pog when he gets on there and he's, he's, he's an engineer engineer's dream, you know, it's yep. like all oh, this stuff, this is so great. And yes. then, then he's standing right below the, the Borg, going, Oh, yeah. <laughs>
0: whoops. And they have the, they get this idea in their heads that they can use Borg tech to disarm the diviner's weapon. And like, why do they think the, like all of a sudden the Borg would be the solution that they would know B- only because they collect technology.
1: Well, because they adapt to weaponry and make it useless, mm-hmm. and so they're What I thought at first they were going to do is expose the Borg to the weapon and let them adapt, mm. but they didn't end up going that way. They're presumably mm. trying to tap into knowledge of how to neutralize weaponry that the Borg already have.
0: Okay, right. It would be interesting to to infect the Borg with this weapon and have them destroy all of the Borg. Um, you know, cube. Mm-hmm. You know, the whole Borg collective. Mm-hmm. Um. So, m- meanwhile, the on uh, Jane Admiral Janeway ship, biological Janeway, uh, they've got the Diviner. They don't know who he is or how dangerous he is, even. I love how he's babbling, even though
1: he's unconscious, he's babbling Mm -hmm. about, I've got to save them, and they've taken my daughter. And he's giving, even though he's the villain, he's giving, he's
0: saying the stuff that will push all the right Federation buttons. (laughs) (laughs) Right, right. And uh, so we have Janeway, we have an ensign, uh, Asencia, played by uh, Jamila Jamal, uh, which Mm -hmm. Who, who does not
1: sound like her right no, in this role yeah i mean it does she does not sound like
0: tahani <laughs> yeah from the good place no. <laughs> uh yeah and uh which may mean good actress uh we also yeah. have the ship's doctors dr noam who is a Tellerite, mm-hmm. very grumpy yeah played, played by, by jason alexander, alexander. Yeah, exactly yeah Who's also a, doesn't sound like him doesn't sound like in my a, opinion but yeah Uh, big star trek fan by the way Uh, that that's a long uh history with him in star trek um well he's he's been on star trek in several roles too so yes yes he has usually with makeup on but yeah yep um and so janeway is janeway was famous like picard was a tea drinker janeway was famously a coffee drinker but now she's drinking tea i thought that was a nice little touch her doctor (laughs) making her drink tea i i like when she's replicating it she says tea Black and <laughs> yeah. and
1: so we, and she's got the little pause in there. It's like yeah, she doesn't say you're old gray and <laughs> and she says black, which is an actual kind of tea. Yeah. yeah um it doesn't mean tea black or black tea does not mean the same thing that black coffee does black right, coffee right. means it has no sugar or cream in it um but black tea is a way of preparing the tea leaves um so that they are and they're in fact darker in color um And it's in contrast to green tea and white Mm -hmm. tea, Mm -hmm. which are other ways of preparing. The tea leaves are all the same, but you prepare them in different ways Mm -hmm. before brewing. And that results in them being designated either black, green or white tea. Now, yeah,
2: go ahead.
0: I was just going to ask, is oolong the same as white tea? Because I've heard of oolong.
1: Yeah, Uh, oolong. I don't know that. I believe oolong is a different kind of leaf. Okay, but I could be mistaken.
2: Yeah. Now, if evil Picard in the series Picard drink coffee instead of tea, does that mean this is evil gene for <laughs> drinking tea instead of coffee?
0: Well, as a coffee drinker, I think that's uh, uh, eminently uh, sensible to, to take precautions. <laughs> um, so, and Ensign Ascensia is uh, smart and a butt kisser, as Dr. Noam points out. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so, that, I, that, I thought that was a, a funny little observation. Uh, having a grumpy doctor can be fun because he gets to say things that the audience might think, but you know, no one else can say. Mm uh so back to the borg cube um zero like you mentioned zero thinks the only way to access what the borg know is for her i'm sorry him i I got in my head early that that zero was a was a her it uh to enter the collective somehow and and in the Uh, on the theory that it's been in a hive mind before because medusans apparently have
1: a hive mind so it'll be easier for it to Mm -hmm. resist on the other hand, that could be a two-edged sword because maybe yep. having a fierce sense of individual identity your whole life will make it easier to <laughs> resist. <Yeah.
0: laughs> right, right. Maybe be being uh, amenable to hive minds makes you more susceptible. So, uh and so while she's in there, while Zero's in there, um Gwen and the others uh well, the others except Gwyn are captured and so like Gwen's running around trying to And it's sort of I mean, I guess it's part of the premise of the show that these are exceptional kids who are extremely lucky, but it sort of sort of pushes the bounds of believability that how easily they escape from the board compared to, you know, almost every Starfleet crew. Until they don't.
1: Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, well, you mean the the overall escape? Yeah. Yeah. But they don't end up escaping them initially. Um, the one thing I wish they had done now, I liked how when zero plugs into the collective, um, the collective voices identify him as species 802 Medusan. Yep. And I, I liked that. Yep. Uh, but it, when he's like, when he says, my name is zero to them, it's like, they should have said This is an acceptable Borg designation.
0: (laughs) Yeah. His name is a number. (laughs) Come on. Right? That's true. Um, I am zero of one. (laughs) (laughs) one. (laughs) And then, uh, and it's Zero's guilt over hurting Gwyn that hinders his ability to resist the Borg and and to assimilate him.
1: Yeah, Yeah, just for reference, he hurt Gwen accidentally when he revealed his true form to thwart the diviner and Gwen saw a reflection of him in a surface and it damaged her memory. So he's been guilting out over that experience, even though it was completely unintentional on his part.
0: Right. And that's that's sort of a standard. Trope for kids programming is this idea of dealing with hurts and guilt and pain and interpersonal problems like this. They've if uh, these this has come up between you know uh, Gwyn and Dahl, for instance, you know in in, in previous mm-hmm. stories. So it's 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 there. Um, it doesn't last very long. By the end of the episode, they've they're they're pretty much good, I guess.
1: One thing I noticed when the Borg are waking up and coming out of their alcoves. They are moving much more naturally than they did on TV. It's Mm -hmm. like they just used Borg skins in the animation engine, but these are walking as fluidly as the other characters, whereas in TV, the actors would always dial back their fluidity of motion and make themselves appear much more rigid and mechanical as Borg.
0: I'm going to guess it's the prosthetics that helped a lot with that because they wore some heavy prosthetics. Yeah, uh, yeah. yeah, they didn't. Yeah, they didn't dial it in. A nice touch was the uh, Rhino Borg, uh, which uh-huh. was interesting, which also made it uh, a match for uh, Rock Talk, you know, as the Bricar. Um, it meant that yep. uh, there was a physical match for her. Um, so mm-hmm. that was kind of good. Yeah. I wasn't sure what species that was, but it was
1: nice to see a Borg that wasn't a simple, you know, six foot humanoid. Yeah. Right. Uh,
0: the The credits just call it Rhino Borg. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> <laughs> that
2: works. Yeah. Um, they also, one thing they also didn't do was the, the echo voice, you know, that, you know, Borg have had for, you know, we are Borg, echo, echo, echo you know. Yeah. But it was th- that there were more individual voices of the different Borg.
0: That's true. Uh, so in the end, Gwynn has to convince Zero that you know we it's the risk we take by opening up to each other, revealing pieces of ourselves to each other that what is what makes you know life worth living. And you know what he did to protect Gwynn was an act of love and not an act of of hurt. You know hurt to hurt her and so on and so forth. So this is an important, you know, for kids. This is an important lesson in there about you know taking risks for To help others and risks of love, and I thought that was a pretty good idea is the is this idea that um you know uh, love is a risk in so, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. vulnerability by the way, we should probably mention what the Borg's plan is um once
1: mm-hmm. they learn about all this. So they realize the um <clears throat> the diviner's weapon is really potent, and mm-hmm. they refer to it as the living construct. And I don't know exactly why, Mm -hmm. but because it doesn't appear to be biological, but um, but it does change its shape and so forth, which is part of the reason that the kids have trouble um, Mm -hmm. figuring out how to deactivate it. But um, their plan, the Borg plan, once now that they know about it, is we're going to assimilate the protostar and that will let us assimilate the living construct and then we will use it as a weapon to smash our enemies.
0: Mm-hmm. yes yes um we've seen some of the diviners people's technology you know artificial life forms sort of stuff before so that's it's interesting yeah yeah that's a I'm not. yeah i'm also not
1: sure how much of the diviners technology is of his own people as much as it is just from the future right right because i got the impression that solemn was a i don't know if it was pre-technological but um, but he is from the future. So it may not just be that this is alien tech, but this is future
0: alien tech. True. Right. True. Um, so, uh, we get the solution to getting zero out of the collective is you know resistance is not futile because zero is already part of a stronger collective and togetherness wins again which is a little no bit way. of discovery yeah, about that creeping in
1: <laughs> and 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 by the way they have to they have to um talk it's a talking solution because once again, the transporter on the ship is conveniently offline. Right. And Broken. yeah, or interfered with by Borg dampers or something. But it's yep. it's offline again. So we have our talking solution. And then when Zero breaks free of the collective, he like releases this wave that causes all it's a big, impressive Special effect wave that causes all of the Borg to fall over and and mm-hmm. go unconscious. And I'm I, at first I'm like, is this part of his Medusin thing or what? I mean, it's a big. I mean, it's visual. What is going on mm-hmm. here? Mm-hmm. Um, and he says he put them back in their dormant state, so that would suggest it was a mental signal through the Borg collective that's, that was like a Borg lullo, techno lullaby. Um, in which case, we shouldn't have really seen this big visual wave. They were just doing that to make it look visually impressive for children, I guess. Pretty much. Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah.
0: You you can't be subtle with kids. You have to you have to be of a clear indicator.
1: Oh, I think if all the Borgs suddenly
0: f- their eyes <laughs> close and they fall over, the
1: kids will get the idea they just
0: went to sleep. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. Uh, and this is this is about when this is the vinculum by the way i don't think we said that this is the vinculum Mm -hmm. at the heart of the cube that's sort of the central node for the for the cube and so um this is when they've figured out that they borg can't deactivate or remove the virus either um and then the kids decide well if we're that dangerous to starfleet you know we can't go to starfleet but we can still do good and we're gonna run around in our hopped up starship and do good stuff.
1: How about stay close to Federation Space, go find another starship and take that one to Federation Space and then tell them about where the protostar is and what's wrong with it and let the professionals deal with it.
2: <laughs> right. You you mean like using the uh the, the shuttle replicator that they have in yeah. their one of their bays and you know, yeah, fly Possibly. off in a shuttle.
0: Yeah, could could you construct a shuttle without infecting it? I would hope. I would think, maybe. I assume so. Yeah. Yeah. The, um, yeah, you think
1: of these things when you're an adult. (laughs) Or a command emergency command hologram program. Maybe that too. Maybe that too.
2: Yeah. Um, But then you wouldn't have the, you know, the chase throughout the rest of the, the season slash series. So
0: yeah, I'm, I'm curious where they're going with this because, you know, you can't have like get back to Starfleet and Starfleet puts them in command of the protostar. Right. So but the uh, this, this series is not called Protostar. It's called Prodigy. So maybe they, you know, I'm just kind of, you know, um, uh, whatever, you know, trying to think of what, how the the future of the series, what they could do. And maybe it's they go off on adventures in Starfleet apart from the Protostar or on the Protostar or when the crew gets back or something along those lines. But I'm curious. It could become
2: another lower decks, lower decks type thing where, but not yeah. as, you know, obviously not as, Humorous, but yeah. but where they're they're now the ensigns in the lower decks or whatever,
0: and maybe they need them to go back to that part of the galaxy to help you know solve a no. problem
1: or whatever. Something, space, something. Yeah, space academy. I remember that show from the seventies.
0: <laughs> <laughs> remember when uh, Wesley it had was? Jam- it had James Doohan in it. Oh, mm. that's right. um By the way, as we remember And and
1: Doctor Doctor, what's his name from the uh, from Lost in Space? Doctor Smith, Doctor Smith was in it. Yes,
0: oh. really. So I was going to say, um, you remember when Wesley was the acting ensign on the Enterprise? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now imagine mm-hmm. f- f- four or five of them. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> much less annoying. Much though, less I annoying. Mean. I hope. So, uh, so that's it for that episode. Any last thoughts on "Let Sleeping Borg Live, Father Corey? Uh, there
2: was the issue, of course, of
0: it being a weapon
2: from the future, and but yet the Borg know about it. But again, that's that's neither here nor there. It's a it's a kids show; they're not going to go that deep. I did <laughs> like the line about you know the, what the Borg never assimilated a turbo lift.
0: Yeah, it <laughs> was a nice line. <laughs> that's
2: I, I I assumed
1: that the uh, that they just deduced all this stuff about the future weapon mm. that they didn't previously know about it. Yeah, right? fair enough.
0: Anything else? Not Jimmy. Nope.
1: Um, one thing we might want to mention, because it may have a hook into the beginning of next episode, although not necessarily, is at the very end on the protostar, the kids receive a distress signal and Mm -hmm. they're leaping into action to go investigate that when we cut over to biological Janeway ship. So they may pick up on that. But Doctor Who has taught me they don't always pick up on those (laughs) things because at the end of the season for uh, for the first season of the 11th doctor, Matt Smith, he gets a phone call about a problem in ancient Egypt. And he and Amy and Rory are now leaping into action to go deal with that. And when we come back next season, they never even mention it. It's like they've just already dealt with that. And we never get to see that adventure. Thank you so much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully they won't do that to us this time. All right, so I mentioned we had some feedback and I want to get to that now. This was uh, feedback on our discussion of the season finale of Lower Decks called The Stars at Night. Uh, Doc Sweeney on our Discord community says, uh, regarding the naming of weapons after saints, there's a great book put together by Father Dwight Longnecker called Stronger Than Steel. That's basically a compilation of letters that French soldiers in World War I wrote to the convent at Lisieux as support for the canonization of St. Therese, detailing miraculous interventions of Therese on the battlefield. In addition to several crazy stories, including apparitions, several reported naming their big guns, I think artillery is what he means, after her and having surprisingly low casualties to their unit. It gave me a good chuckle, but also makes me feel like Rambo, praying my little Therese chaplet. (laughs) they also should like name a uh an
1: anti anti aircraft anti missile system as the Padre Pio defense system then because
0: <laughs> yeah. he was reportedly
1: seen by allied flyers levitating
0: mm-hmm. and stopping them from dropping their bombs on his portion of Italy yeah, that's right yep. that's right that's a good story uh yeah it was giving names to like to the guns and including saints names was a common practice actually in france like the historically catholic countries yep. so uh this was in response to our discussion of the uss corpus christi uh ship and i was talking about this uss city of corpus christi uh submarine then our next comment comes from robert willows on youtube who writes i think starship computers should have jimmy aiken's personality to look at things with a faith and reason perspective for missions (laughs) and, and such for humanoid kind so well, thank you, but uh, but then I wouldn't get to go. <laughs> <And> then, yeah, <laughs> you should have Jimmy on board as the ship's theologian and philosopher. Yeah. Uh, I think there all sh- all ships should have a ship's philosopher <laughs> and chaplain, and Catholic, cha- Catholic chaplain and chaplain. Yeah, you know, see, I'm wearing my Secrets of uh, Star Trek T-shirt for those who are watching the video, and you can see, you know, this yeah. is Jimmy and Father Corey and me hanging and on the you. back, and me hanging mm-hmm. on the back. Uh, which you can get your shirt at sqpn.com/slash/merch. All right, so let's wrap things up there. We want to take a moment to thank our patrons who make it possible for us to create The Secrets of Star Trek, including Father Eric T., Elizabeth E., Kathy L., Linda N., and Janet M. Their generous donations at sqpn.com give make it possible for us to continue The Secrets of Star Trek in all the shows at StarQuest. And you can join them by visiting sqpn.com give so that's it from us we'd love to hear what you think of let sleeping borg lie you can let us know by commenting on the show at sqpn.com slash trek our facebook page at facebook.com starquest media an email to trek at sqpn.com or visit our discord community at sqpn.com slash discord we'll be back next time and we'll be discussing the next episode of star trek prodigy all the world's a stage until then, Jimmy Aiken, thank you for joining me and sharing the secrets of Star Trek. Thank you, live long and prosper, and maximum warp, me, <laughs> Father <laughs> Corey Stika, Thank you as well. Thank you, Dom. And once again, I'm Dom Bettinelli. Thank you for listening to the secrets of Star Trek on StarQuest. And remember, resistance is not futile. <laughs>